Is luck something we're born with or gets handed down to certain people? Or are there ways we can engineer it and generate a bit more luck for ourselves? It will surprise you not at all to discover that I believe it's the latter. Welcome to Morning Creative. I'm Mark Stedman, and I was on a TV game show with my dad last year. We won a significant amount of money, and it would be easy to assume that that is down to luck, but I think there's a bit more to it. It's be real here. It's not like we were working down a mine, but I think it has a lot more to do with what we didn't do and what we didn't think that got us to the point after all the auditions and all the paper sifting to get us to the point where we were on stage with TV royalty, Anton Deck, presenting us with a metaphorical check uh, for a lot of money. The first thing we didn't think is we didn't think what would be the point. The odds of us getting on are astronomical. It cost us nothing to enter, you know? So we thought it would be fun to apply. We didn't think our faces don't fit, uh, we're not TV ready, we're not photogenic. We also didn't think there's no way we can know all of the stuff that all the contestants previously who've been on can know. You know, we, we didn't think we're not trivia buffs, we can't know all this stuff. We kind of thought, well, we have complementary knowledge of each other. We know what we know. And again, it's a game. It would be fun to play if we got the opportunity to play. So I think as much as one might think, it's okay for you guys. You did X, Y, Z. You did these things or whatever. And, and the chips fell in your favor. Most of it was really for us about our frame of mind. We got through because we put our story across and the casting team liked that story. And, and of course, we were nervous when we did the auditions. Of course, we, we both were. But we, we didn't pile a bunch of pressure onto ourselves like, this is the only way we're going to win a significant amount of money. We weren't thinking about that at all. It really was just, wouldn't it be fun for us to clown noses to you know be on the tv in front of uh, millions of people and to meet anton deck the the presenters and so to that end i'm gonna share with you six sort of i don't want to use the word mindset because that can feel a bit loaded and a little bit eh, whatever but things to think about things that you can actually do that i believe can lead to a luckier life because I am going to be the one to say it. Luck is internal. There are elements of chance. There are elements of randomness in the universe. Of course there are. And there are things outside of our control. But there's also a lot more that we can control that we don't give ourselves credit for. And that's what I want to focus on here. It's about, there's actually a whole bunch of stuff that we can do that we have control over that will increase our luck surface area. It means that we can expand ourselves so that when randomness does hit, it's more likely that it's going to hit where we are because we are putting ourselves more in the path of luck. So number one is to get rid of the toxic self-talk. We as humans have a negativity bias. Our brains are wired to, as my friend Anya Pierce says, 
to keep us safe rather than keep us happy. They hold on to the bad memories because they want us to learn from them. We can't learn survival skills from the good things that happen. And so it's the bad stuff that happens to us that we remember because our brain wants to make sure that we can navigate that tricky situation the next time it arises. So what ends up happening is we believe the negative things that we tell ourselves and we need evidence for the good stuff. So we imagine the bad things about ourselves and we believe those things, even if they are completely and purely imagined, which they usually are, but we need evidence for the good stuff. So it's like the brain can believe any old bunk as long as it's negative, but it needs to actually have the receipts for the positive stuff. And so what we've got to do is start by clearing out all of that cruft so that you can begin to gather evidence of the good stuff. And what worked for me was a bit of therapy. It doesn't have to be a a huge commitment that you go into, but spending a few hours with someone who can actually help take some of that stuff, that toxicity that you've integrated and ingested into yourself that you that you might believe about yourself that is telling you these things never happen for me these things don't work out i'm not one of the people whose faces fit like whatever it is someone can help you get to the root of that so next up is to recruit the right crew so we've talked before right at the beginning of our theme of connection in february we talked about putting a, a, a great team together if we're on a spaceship we need the right crew with us and so You need to be in positive relationships with people. Toxic relationships keep you down. They keep you in that zone of you can't or you shouldn't or you mustn't or it won't work for you. You need to be with positive people and have positive relations with them. I don't mean toxic positivity and I don't mean people who are constantly just going to say yes to every mad, crazy idea that you have, but it's more like the people who are going to say, Okay, sure, but why are you doing that? Or have you tried this thing instead? Who are thinking in generative terms rather than finding ways to cut you down or say, no, this can't work, this shouldn't work, why are you doing that? You know, we want the people who ask why not rather than why. Because ultimately people amplify your luck. Uh, if If we're trying to increase our surface luck area, one of the ways that we do that is through positive relationships with people who have also got a decent frame of mind on them. So next up is to cultivate an air of adventure. You might, for this to work, you might need to step or even live significantly outside of your comfort zone for a certain amount of time. I knew this when I started doing an improv course Uh, a few years ago, I just went along because I wanted to meet some people and I thought it might help me think a little bit quicker on my feet. And it did. But what it also helped me discover is a whole new hobby that I was actually all right at. And I really, really enjoyed, like I, I found what felt like a drug and it was, it was incredible. And I made uh, some really significant friends who actually live really close uh, to me, as well as having all sorts of other experiences that I would not have had otherwise. Luck is out there in the world. It's not here in our bedrooms, in, in our small spaces, in our studies, in our offices, in our kitchens. It's It's out there in the world. It's outside of the front door. And if you are someone who 
uh, lives alone and doesn't get the opportunity to, get, to to go out. It doesn't have to be in the physical world, but it absolutely has to be outside of your usual. It's got to be out there in, in unfamiliar territory, you know? You've used up all of the luck that's in your current patch of ground. So now what you've got to do is find all that luck that's in uncharted territories. So next up there, number four, Look for the chimneys. This means a few different things, but essentially this is a bit of a positive thinking exercise that then becomes a, a stackable habit from Merlin Mann, who is wise about many things. And he has this as a sort of, if that, then this sort of statement. And so this is why it works really well when we think about habit stacking, uh, to go back to the Atomic uh, Habits book. When I take a walk, my intention is to look for the chimneys and not get absorbed in my usual bummer thoughts. So I will gently incline myself back to the chimneys. So what this is saying is when you are out, like literally genuinely like physically out in the world and you are having thoughts and you're getting lost in them and you're getting lost in the negative stories and all of the stuff that you can't and you shouldn't and you mustn't and you won't is to incline your head up and turn your face towards warmth, turn your, turn your face towards the sun. I think it's a little bit somatic in, in the sense, you know, it's, it's of the body. And by, by looking up, we are taking in more of, the, more of the sun on our faces, even if it's not a particularly sunny day. It's more about the habit. And, and remembering why you do that is also useful. So it was, yes, you will get a little bit of the, of the benefit of looking up and, and maybe tilting your face to the sun, but also the act of doing that, reminding yourself why you're doing that, is to just help you kick yourself out of that little reverie. It's to bring you back and, and help you take a slightly more positive uh, frame of mind. Aligned with that is gratitude. And I think this is a, a tricky word for many, because, and certainly for me, because it can come with a lot of judgment. You know, many of us were were brought up with this question of like can't you just be grateful you you should be grateful for what you have like that's a story that i think lots of us were told as kids but gratitude doesn't mean recognizing when you're lacking it kind of just means not attaching yourself or you know part of my my interpretation of this anyway is just not attaching yourself too much to those thoughts of of what you're lacking and be, being able to appreciate and just look at something and go, it's good that that thing exists. It might just be as simple as that statement. Isn't it good that that thing exists? Not that I must be grateful or I must appreciate. It's like, isn't it good that I've got a guitar next to me? I don't know how to play it very well, but it does mean that when I'm bored for a moment, I can just have a quick pick or a quick noodle. Isn't it good that I've got a really cheap ring light in front of me? It's not as if I'm just, you know, uh, trying to point out the things that are directly in my vision. But, you know, isn't it nice that I've got one? Being able to do that, to, to just point out things and go, isn't it good that that thing exists? Helps, again, get us into that mindset of looking for the more positive things rather than focusing on the things that aren't working out. If you can show your brain evidence of when things do go well or when things are good, it will help a little. I'm not saying, you know, I don't think one of these things is going to be the thing that's going to increase your luck surface area, but I think each one of these helps in different scenarios in little bits. 
So number five is to pay it forwards. I don't do this enough, but I, I definitely get a good feeling when I do. And perhaps it's what other people call karma, right? It's it's really just doing something nice without recourse to what it's going to do for you. Just doing something nice because it felt like the right thing to do. And when you do that, like looking for the chimneys, it sets you up for noticing other good things because there's a momentum involved. When you are in that good space of feeling good, you you notice other good things. I know this from experience as well. They sort of start to stack and you start, we are very good at noticing patterns. And so you can start to go, you know, actually today's working out quite well. This happened and then this and then I found a thing on the, on the, on the street and, you know, because you are a little bit more open to the outside world rather than thinking and being insular and being introspective and, and about your own stuff that's going on, because maybe you're thinking a little bit more expansively, you notice more stuff out in the world and a huge amount of luck really is just noticing things. And then lastly, I'll say be here now, you know, which just means being present and I definitely don't do this enough. I'm usually stewing over the past or I'm worrying about the future and neither of those things exist. You can't change the past. The future doesn't exist. So anything that you're anxious about is a story in your mind. I know that might sound like absolute bunkum, but I promise you, if you think about it this way, anxiety is a story that you tell yourself based on past data. That data, it doesn't come from the outside world. It comes from our interpretation of it. If someone says something to you, you know, if you think about any time someone said something to you and you've interpreted it one way and maybe you've, you've collared them about it, you've, you've pulled them up about it and you're like, why'd you say that? And they say, oh God, no, I didn't mean it like that at all. And they, gen they were genuinely like, no, no, no. You know, or when you, you misread a text or an email and you think, oh my God, that person's furious at me. And they're like, no, I just didn't put an emoji at the end. So if you think about that feeling that you got that, that dread, that pit of your stomach hollowed out and suddenly replaced with butterflies and bats and all that stuff. If you think about that, that is completely created by your interpretation of that text. And so if we map that to the future and think about anxiety, anxiety about the future is really just your interpretation of a story that you're telling yourself based on the data that you've got. It doesn't exist. The future doesn't exist. It's only a story that you're telling yourself. And that story is creating those feelings inside you. So if you can get into the habit, and it doesn't just work instantly, it is something that, that, that works a little bit here and a little bit there over time. That's certainly my experience anyway. But when you catch yourself in that moment of going, oh, God, I'm worrying about the future, or I'm stewing over the past, whatever it is, and stop and go, hang on, I'm feeling these feelings, I'm experiencing these feelings based on my interpretation of information and that interpretation can be faulty in so many different ways so actually if it's all just come from the data in my database not from actually anything that exists because again the future doesn't exist yet when you get into that mode it can be a lot easier to put down that thought because you can just go oh this is optional 
and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's, you know, you can just do it like that. I, I promise you, I, I know, but it is a repeatable thing that you can do. If you notice when you're feeling those, those feelings and just think about where that's coming from over time, it does get easier. And so finding a way to keep yourself in the present rather than stewing over the past or agonizing or getting anxious over the future by being more in the present that opens you up to the world around you. It gives you access to more interesting conversations. When you're more open, you notice things and a huge part of luck is actually just in what you notice. So these have have, uh, come from a sort of a mixture of uh, points from the book Conscious Luck by Gay Hendricks and a sprinkling of my own uh, life experience as well. So uh, a link is in the show notes if you want to go and uh, check that book out. Um, But I've got a, a question for you, which is what opportunities might arise if you paid more attention and didn't automatically write yourself off? Think about the story that might unfold for you if you didn't automatically write yourself out of it. And on that, then, uh, I want to tell you about something that I've enjoyed that you might also enjoy. Completely uh, tangential to this, which is uh, John Oliver on Hot Ones. So uh, I watched this uh, a while back and I, I really enjoyed it. It's the first time I've actually watched an episode uh, of Hot Ones, uh, but it was great. It's it's John Oliver of Last Week Tonight and formerly The Daily Show and he used to be on British TV back in 2005. That's how, you know, I remember him then. Basically eating... Uh, progressively hotter hot wings and being really funny and vulnerable about it as well. Uh, it's really good, really, really, really good. A link, uh, of course, is in the show notes. And if you've got anything that you think I might enjoy and that uh, others uh, listening to the podcast might enjoy, then mark at morningcreative.fm is where you can find me. And a huge shout out going to Seishu Bandranath, who uh, left a comment about my episode on networking for the introverted. He said, thanks for this. I needed to hear this today have a short list of networking events to attend, and the inner dialogues can be so loud, eh? To that I say, amen, my brother. Yes, they can. And so I hope that there was something, uh, well, it looked, it sounds like there was something in that particular episode uh, that was maybe uh, a little bit useful. And sometimes it's just being able to hear someone else's voice and go, yep, that checks out with my experience. Um, so at Hello Stedman uh, online is where you can find me if you have uh, anything that you want to talk about uh, with this particular episode. So tomorrow we are going to be wrapping up our month of connections uh, and we're going to be getting ready for our next theme. Very exciting. So if you do one thing today, then let me leave you with this. Try a random act of kindness. Do something good for someone else that makes you feel all tingly when you do it. You know, maybe pay for the next person's coffee in the queue or uh, help someone who looks like they might be in need. Or, you know, if you're just indoors today and you're not going out and about, then maybe drop a text to someone that you haven't spoken to in ages and you've been meaning to get in touch with. Notice how it makes you feel. Write that feeling down and then look out for the next time something surprising happens to you. I reckon it'll be sooner than you think.